I was telling Rick as I was studying this, this was like um, as a basketball coach when I first learned how to coach basketball, I didn't know nothing. And then the more I learned, the more I didn't know anything. And that's kind of how this was. Uh, and it was humbling for me, but it was also freeing for me to get into the truth of the Word of God and to ground myself again. I trust that this Advent season is grounding you in, I don't know, it's not heavy, revy stuff. It's the stuff we know, but it's the stuff that, that grounds us and how we live our lives. Would you agree with that? Cool. So, hey, open your Bibles. And I've got my phone, and I'm going to turn it off after that. I don't have the ESV. I have the New American Standard, but I got the ESV here. Open your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 9. But as you do that, I'm going to read something else. The same thing from Isaiah. And when you read Isaiah, it's not like this historical thing. It's just his heart, right? So... Let me read this. This is what he said. Look down from heaven, O Lord, and see from your holy and glorious habitation. Where is your zeal? Where are your mighty deeds? The stirrings of your heart and your compassion are restrained towards me. For you are our father, though Abraham does not know us. And Israel does not recognize us. But you, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer of old is your name. Why, Lord, do you cause us to stray from your ways and harden your heart from fearing you? Return for the sake of thy servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people possessed your sanctuary for a little while, but our adversaries have trodden it down. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. Now, if I stopped right there, there's a, there's a break in the chapters, and then we go to chapter 64, but I don't think that's how he wrote it. He said this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, we come to you today and say thank you for the blessing of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the life that you've given us in him. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put whatever words I say that are from you in our hearts, that we would be founded in the truth of the word of God and that we would live a life that glorifies you. We love you. We thank you. 
So, this was the scene in Judah as Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied of a Messiah king, and then God showed Isaiah that one, capital O, would come and establish a reigning kingdom that would never change and never end. Isaiah attributed name to this child, one being everlasting father. What person could bear this name? Who was this child to be? 150 years later, Daniel saw this child, but now as a man. I kept looking in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. The significance of this truth, again, should ground us in this Advent season. As all the stuff flies around, all the good stuff of Christmas, and all the stuff that's not so good. Right? The rule of our king should bring us joy, as Rick said today. It should bring us joy. As the angel said, do not be afraid, For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. This Messiah King would bring about the solace and comfort of Israel's suffering. He would open the eyes of all men to the kingdom of God. He came in the fullness of time. He would father a new nation. And he would perfectly reveal our Heavenly Father's love and care for us. The word father in Hebrew can hold many meanings. It could speak of a father of a family or of a tribe, but in the use of everlasting father, Isaiah speaks of something different. In Genesis 4.21, it speaks of a man named Jubal. It says he was the father, and this is the word, the father of all who play the lyre and pipe. That word means the possessor of, or the owner of. Isaiah is pointing out the divine nature of this child. He is the owner of time. He is without beginning, and he is without end. He is the Alpha and Omega, and Isaiah speaks of the Incarnation. Though I'm not sure he could fully understand, I don't know if I fully understand it, but we have the benefit of time in God's word that says this, God, who alone, and this is the word, possesses immortality. What's the big deal? He invaded time and space. The Christmas message for me, guys, is an act of war. Jesus came as that child. But do you see that he came to fulfill the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3? And he came into time and into space 
to defeat our enemy. I thought about it. Um, what do you think heaven was like when the star came to announce the birth? I think of uh, Michael Buffer. I always have a, like a boxing, um, a boxing thing. Does anybody know Michael Buffer? He's the announcer that announces. I'm wondering if an angel said this, let's get ready to rumble. Because that's what this was. It was an act of war. He would crush, he would crush the serpent's head. And that's what God said so many years before. I'm going to try some Latin, if that's okay. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Um, Civis possum, parabellum. What does that mean? If you want peace, prepare for war. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy means to dissolve completely. He came to knock him out. And that's what he did on the cross. And that's what he did in the resurrection. And that's what he did in the ascension. And guess what? He's coming back. I mean, next week we will talk about the Prince of Peace, right? Our peace with God. But guys, we war against the powers of darkness. And that war continues. But guess what? The victory is won. We just get to take the spoils, which is awesome. In chapter 19 of Revelation, I won't go there because I, I want to make sure I have time. I guess I will. But I'm going to read one thing. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges in what? Wages war. Christianity isn't mamby-pamby, guys. It's a fight. And it's a fight to the finish. And that's what we're all about. Right? But this father of time, and that's actually how you can say it, everlasting father, you can say in the Hebrew, father of time, he not only came to invade time and space for victory, he came to provide and protect for his children forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And this truth is based on what Hebrews says, that it is based on an indestructible, an indestructible life. His care for us is not diminished by aging or death. He lives forever. And what security and confidence we have in this everlasting Father. We can face these crazy and dark times knowing that he sees everything that we're going through. Do you guys believe that? You know, when COVID hit, it was such a trip, right? It just, things got weird so fast. I think that was a call for us, a wake-up call for us, that we would look to the one who saw everything. He isn't surprised. We are, sometimes, right? But he isn't. And our, secu our security is completely utterly in him. Our security is in him.
and we look to him. So as the Messiah and king, this child would father a new nation. What do I mean by that? A nation not based on blood relation or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but only of God. Jesus in his discourse with Nicodemus said, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. But I, did, I do think that Nicodemus did marvel at Jesus' words. And Jesus asked him, he said, Are you not the teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Because it was in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel, God said this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, small s, resolve within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my capital S spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and laws. And you will be careful to observe all my ordinances. So let me ask you a question. What did you do? I talked to a friend of, about this a, a while back at work. I said, what did you do? He did it all. And we will lay our crowns down and say, you, you did all of this. In simple terms, guys, it's only the regenerate power of God that allows us to enter the citizenry of this nation. That's our passport. Walking in. Spurgeon stated this. I believe I have that. If you can put that up. You know, I could read Spurgeon and get saved again. <laughs> over and over and over again. Pretty amazing. So a man may cast away many vices. Forsake many lusts in which he indulged. And conquer evil habits. But no man in the world can make himself to be born of God, though he should struggle ever so much. He could never accomplish what is beyond his power. It's God. It's all God. And it's awesome. This is not optional, guys. This is a spiritual nation that we are, are part of. And only God can do what he can do. I don't care how much knowledge you have, how much education, how much charity you give to. Oh, and let me say this, how much you go to church. It is God who gives eternal life. And this life is in his son. The spirit unites us to the son of God who is life itself. And the results are miraculous. Brothers and sisters, we are now those who were once darkness, but are now full of light. Those who were dead, but are now alive. 
who were once enslaved but are now free and those who were without hope or God in this life. But now we trust in a life that will never cease with an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and never fading away. Our nation's borders are not defined by a specific language, customs, and goodness gracious, should I say it, our politics. But a complete renewal of heart and mind and a love for a king who rules with grace, truth, righteousness, and the love of a father. And he is always seeking the best for us. The best for us. Malachi said this 500 years before Jesus came, and they will be mine. And they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts on that day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and the ones who do not. Isn't it a trip? I think we're seeing that now. I mean, isn't it a trip that people just walk into a Walmart and just start taking stuff? Just start stealing? I mean, we're starting to see what Jesus was saying. We're not getting there quite yet, but he said in the increase of lawlessness, the love of so many will grow cold. Right? But we're not of that. We're of this other nation. We're changed. I went to Brazil, and uh, this was the second time. We went down to see Becky's brother, Todd and Sherry, who had started a church. And we went to um, kind of the coast part of Rio, which is the resort place. But we also went into the city, which is way different. And we went to a mall, and we started to eat. That was the first time in the couple of months that I had been in Brazil that I thought, I'm not from here. I'm not from here. And it was the way people looked at us and the way I felt it was palpable. You could tell. Now, they loved Noah because he was this little Viking king with this blonde hair and they cut his meat at the restaurant and you know, thought he was a little king. But for me, it was like I was wary. I was not, I was aware. This is not my home. And isn't that how it is for us here? It should be. It should be. That we're sober, aware, awake. Because this is not our home. You know, I came home. And we came into Chicago, and when we were in Brazil, we had to stand in this long line, and all the Brazilians got to just go do their thing, and I had to stand there. And then when we came back to the United States, it was totally the difference. All the Brazilian people were standing over there to come, and I got to come just right through. And this big, big 
uh, I guess, is it the Port Authority? Is that who they are? Or the police? And they stamp your passport. This big Italian guy looks at me, stamps my passport, and he goes, welcome home. I lost it. I, I mean, it was like, oh, that's how we should be, waiting for our home. And we're almost home, aren't we? We're almost home. The other thing about Brazil was really strange. Um, I could smell that nation in, I could smell it for two weeks later. I, it's, it's a weird thing. I think it was all, you know, I'm kind of weird. So, but, it, but I could smell Brazil for like two weeks. And then it faded away. And, and I'm wondering if people that come to the United States can smell what the United States smells like. But you know, our nation has an aroma also. Do you know that? Paul writes it. 2 Corinthians 2 says this, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? You know who is adequate for these things? All of you. You are adequate. We are ministers and ambassadors of this nation's foreign policy. What's our foreign policy? Reconciliation to God. That's our foreign policy. By grace, through faith in him, we put on the new man. That is, that is our responsibility. We put on the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, and we live and we speak of what we know of and what we have tasted of the love of God. That's what we do. In the ancient world, Kings were commonly called the fathers of their nations. He was to be an example to the people of what a father was to be. In the history of Israel, it was God himself who said he was to be their father and their king. You guys remember what happened? They rejected him. That, that kind of blows my mind away, Right? The people rejected him, and they asked to be like the world around them. And Samuel was so angry, wasn't he? And God said, what are you all bummed out about? They didn't reject you. They rejected me. And then Samuel started to say what these kings would do to the people, right? So the line of kings, more than not, did not bring representation of God's ways to the people. But Isaiah's prophecy of the Son speaks that a king would come to represent our Heavenly Father completely and perfectly. The Bible states that no one has seen God at any time, for He is Spirit. But the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and at the Father's side, he has made him known to us. In Jesus, we have the perfect image of the invisible God. 
Do you want to know what God thinks? Do you want to know what he loves? Do you want to know what he hates? Do you want to know what he is doing? Do you want to know how we are to treat each other under his watchful eye? The answers all lie in the Son. He has borne witness of our Father's purpose, character, heart, and his care and compassion for us. And he is committed to finishing what he has started in you. That's what a father does. Here's the cool thing, and I saw this and it was a meme, and I won't use the word that they used, but I'm going to tell you this. God factored in all your baloney before he made the world. Did you know that? Uh, it said something else, but I'm going to use baloney. He factored it all in, guys. He already knew. But then he is committed to changing you. You know, I I've... I've been fascinated as a dad watching my sons grow up. And I'm sure mothers and fathers both see, you see your kids and you go, whoa, that's me. Sometimes it's the stuff that it was like, whoa, that's me. But there's other times where it's like, that's, oh my gosh, yes. I'm thinking some of it's learned behavior. Right? Some of it is because you're around all, but some of it is like, it's just there. Oh, it's amazing. And we spend so much dialogue, I think, in the church about calling, election, predestination, but I think we should also speak of the doctrine of glorification. I started studying it, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to take a while. All I want to say about it today is that there's going to be a place without sin. Right? I have no idea what that's like. It is the final step of the redemption process. Jesus glorified the Father on earth. He revealed the Father as he truly is, and someday we will share in his, his divine glory. Glory is the state in which God dwells always and how he is perceived by others. At the last trumpet, we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Do you guys know how fast that is? You know, they did studies of, of a twinkling of an eye. Light travels 186,000 miles per second. Noah's pretty fast. You ain't that fast. <laughs> Light coming through the eye, going to the back, and then coming back out. Right? It's one billionth of a second. How do people study that stuff? <laughs> right? Ted, do you study that stuff? I mean, what is this? I'm sure there's government stuff that gave money to that, right? But 
That's how we're going to be changed. I, think, I don't even think that's a billionth of a second. <laughs> right? We shall all be changed, and the perishable will be put on the imperishable. Our journey of sanctification, guys, under our Father's sovereignty is preparing us for that which lies ahead. Do you believe that? We're going to be in a place without sin, and we're not going to be able to sin. I have no idea what that's going to be like, but it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. It is a mystery that we all with unveiled faces are beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. And in the finality of redemption, guys, when Jesus returns, he will transform our lowly, lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And so you are. Beloved, we are God's children now. Now. Let the Holy Spirit speak that to you. You are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Glorified, changed. That is the Christmas story. That our, our Christ, our Savior, brought the Father's heart to us and changed us. Stand with me, please. This is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. It's in Proverbs. And then I like to pray. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name. And with an exclamation point, it says this, surely you know. Surely you know. Father, we stand before you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you came to father a nation of regenerate souls and that it is our privilege to speak of this thing of these things lord i pray for the young people today even though maybe they're looking for a, a husband a wife just married new kids coming that they would take hold, put their roots down in this city to see the betterment of the city, but to know, to know that there is a home waiting. 
that we would be sober, aware, and that we would hear your voice and say yes to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put the Father's heart in us, that which loves unconditionally, that which sent his only son to die for us, a sacrificial love. Lord, as this world gets crazy, I was going to say stupid, but I guess I will say stupid, that the love of God would grow in our hearts. That the love of God would grow in our hearts and that we would be so different. Holy Spirit, heal. As Rick said today, heal where we need to be healed. And Lord, I would pray for someone that doesn't even, um, I won't say doesn't even, um, that they don't know their Father in heaven. That they would see that they are children now. Do that, Lord. Do that. Heal our Heal our pain. Heal our misconceptions. Heal our, our lies that the devil tells us. Heal our lies that we tell ourselves. And that we would see ourselves in your eyes. Jesus, you are amazing. We love you. We thank you. And we honor you. Amen.